Welcome to episode 10 of Carol at Christmas, a story told in 12 parts. Let's begin. They arrive in the large private party room of Danny's Steakhouse. It's one of those places Carol seems unable to shake. In the party room at Danny's, birthday balloons float next to a table with a towering birthday cake and plenty of gifts on it, many of which are bottles of good whiskey with bows on them. Amanda's head and shoulders rest on the cake table. Her elbows press into it as her hands support her back and her bare toes point into the air. She is in candle pose. Her toenails are festively painted. What are you now? I'm a candle. Get down from there. Blow on my toes to put me out first. You've gotta be, ugh. Blow on my toes. Carol shakes her head in the negative. How am I even supposed to reach them? Stand on a chair. I'll fall. Trust the ground. It'll catch you. Carol dodges guests as she moves a swivel bar stool from the bar to the table. As she begins to climb, she listens to Amanda's instructions. Use drishti. Find a focal point. Carol climbs onto the chair. Her feet falter a bit on the seat. You need to, like, put your navel to your spine. What does that even mean? Carol's feet are firm, but her body wobbles a bit. Brace your core. Carol tightens her core. Drishti! Drishti! Focus! Carol's wobbling comes to a complete stop. Come on, blow on my toes. Carol gives her a sideways glance, embarrassed. Amanda looks at her, insistent. Carol blows on Amanda's toes. Amanda giggles. <laughs> Carol's lips grimace into an almost smile. There are about 20 guests in the room. Tony, the jovial birthday boy, sways with a beer in one hand and an arm slung around Beau. A few men huddle around the two. All hold beverages. Beau lifts his glass into the air. To Tony, no matter the distance, you've always been there for me, man. Friends like you don't come along every day. Happy birthday. Amanda brings Carol over to the huddle of men. Happy birthday! Thanks for coming all the way here for it. See anyone else in town? Maybe. You saw Carol, didn't you? Tony pulls Bo's face closer to his. One of the men gathered says, But she's horrible. He pushes on Bo's free shoulder and continues. I heard she's let herself go. Nah, just as beautiful. So what's her story? She married? Nope, no husband, no kids. Doesn't surprise me. Tony's wife. A standard middle-class 40-something Midwestern fashionista and two women, wives of the other men, join the group of guys. What are you men clucking about now? Bo's ex-girl, Carol. That's Scrooge, or should I say Scroogeette? The women cackle, a bit too drunk to keep their laughter to the proper and public variety. <laughs> Carol blushes, her cheeks as bright as a poinsettia. Stay present. This moment is a gift. Remember that Mallory? Now she had style. Tony's wife's face kindles with a memory. Didn't she die last Christmas Eve? That's the story. Two of the wives, not Tony's wife, cluck on. I met her once at a party. She was all, what is that you're wearing? Did you make that from drapes? How very sound of music of you. Her style was impeccable. Who ended up with her closet full of fashion? Not Carol, lady of the black dress. And miserable scowl. Who's clucking now? Carol faces her scowl in a beer advertising mirror. She touches her face, adjusts her dress. I think the Carol I used to know is still in there somewhere. 
At least I'd like to think so. He lifts up his half-full beer glass. To Mallory, may she rest in peace. And cheers to Carol, may she find happiness. Carol covers her heart with her hand. Everyone clinks glasses. You're a good man, Bo, but uh, I'm pretty sure she's a lost cause. Besides, you could get younger and finer, but maybe not richer. The men and women gathered laugh, <laughs> save Bo and Tony's wife. Carol's face falls. You boys are terrible. It's only the present moment, so don't get like all bent out of shape, okay? It's okay. I don't want him. Anyway, Amanda twists her body into eagle pose. There's an observation you failed to note. Think on it. For now, it's time to go home and, you know, be. Reflections of red and green lights from outside strobe within the room. Carol squints at the light streaming in through the windows. She is back to where Amanda found her snoring, in the chair nearest her fireplace. The Abra contract is on the floor, along with the empty wine glass. Her reading glasses and pen are on the coffee table, where she left them. She stands, smooths out her dress with her hands, and looks about the room, disoriented. Her eyes land on her phone. The time is 8.32 on Christmas Eve, the Christmas Eve. She must hurry. Crumb and Jacobs opens at 9. Carol showers, towels off, puts on her robe, and opens the door to her closet. She stares at the four black dresses hanging in the expansive and otherwise empty space. To the dresses, she says, You're dreary. She puts a dress on and frowns at herself in the mirror. Her frown turns upside down as a thought lights up her eyes. She runs from the master closet to the kitchen. Carol grabs a bar stool from beneath the kitchen island and runs from the room with it. She sets the stool down in a far corner of the closet, stands up on it with great care. It wobbles to the ground, she says. You'll catch me, right? She looks back up. Her body begins to wobble, navel to spine. She fixes her eyes straight ahead on a focal point. Drishti. Drishti. Her feet firm on the stool, Carol stretches her arms out, reaching for the furthest corner of her master closet's highest shelf. Her hands feel around and find nothing. I know you're up there. Carol hoists herself onto the shelf above her. She army crawls to the back corner. Her eyes land on a rosewood keepsake box. She retrieves it, makes her way back to the chair, and lowers herself down. Her left toes connect with the stool, but the heel of her foot does not. She falls with a loud thud. Thanks, ground. Carol places a keepsake box onto her unmade bed. She opens the box, revealing a framed photograph of Carolyn Bow in front of a Christmas tree. The frame reads, Our First Christmas. Red leather gloves are inside the box and a dazzling ruby and diamond necklace. Carol sets the framed photograph on her nightstand. Then she puts on the necklace. She sees the time on her phone, 8.55, dashes to her entryway and throws on her coat and boots. Carol strides toward Crum and Jacobs, contract stowing briefcase in hand. A block away from the store, a family carols and rings bells behind a red kettle. As she passes them, Carol drops a breath mint in the red kettle and walks on. Happy New Year! Thank you! Merry Christmas! Blessings to you! Carol stops and turns around, walks back to the red kettle, and deposits a solitary quarter. Thank, Thank you. Merry Thank you. Christmas. Blessings to you. Carol forces a thin smile onto her lips. Meanwhile, 
Over at Abra headquarters, Spencer leans over his phone, laying at the center of his ginormous desk, and screams into it. Tell Carol, if she doesn't get her paperwork to me by three, she can keep her lousy store. There are plenty of other locations lined up that want this deal even more. He hangs up, then picks up his sturdy cased phone and slams it down onto his desk. Back in Crum and Jacobs, Carol overhears Stella respond to the phone receiver's dial tone as she passes her desk. I'll let her know. Stella hangs up the phone and looks up at Carol. Spencer wants the paperwork by three if you want him to buy your lousy store. Carol takes a sharp inhale, pulling in the unexpected and unbidden tears that brim her eyes. Your job is secure. So long as you speak of this to no one, I'll make sure of it. I promise. You think that's all I want? A job? She stares at Carol hard. Carol opens her mouth to speak, but no words depart. She goes into her office, reaches into her near-empty office waste bin, and pulls out the pieces of Bo's business card. She places them on her desk and tapes them together. Not quite able to make out his number, Carol puts her reading glasses on. Now able to decipher it, she takes out her cell phone, takes in a deep breath, then dials. Out on the city sidewalks, Bo walks past cheery storefronts on his way to Crum and Jacobs. The air is crisp, but the warmth of Christmas cheer is present on the faces of passerbys. Bo hears his phone ring and pulls it out from his pocket. Hello? Hi. It's... Carol. I was just, um, wondering if I'd maybe see you today. If you really have... I'm about a block from you now, getting my last-minute Christmas shopping done. Maybe we could... Let's grab coffee. I'll do my shopping, then... I'll find you. See you then. Carol hangs up the phone and dashes out of her office, bypasses the elevator, and runs down the many flights of stairs to women's apparel, where shoppers grab frocks from racks and hold them up to themselves in front of mirrors or friends. The best sort of mirrors, right? Some put the items back on the racks, others drape them over their forearms. Carol joins the chaos. She takes several items from the racks and goes into a dressing room. Outfit one is a tight, low-cut mini dress with thigh-high boots and a crop leather moto jacket. Carol's body can pull it off, but her sensibility cannot. She tosses it aside and tries on the next. The look is a little too Christmas movie matriarch for her taste. Not that there is anything wrong with that look. There isn't. Carol, however, is not that woman, so she tosses that look aside as well. Next, Carol pulls on dark denim jeans and a ruby red velvet top with matching heels and a belt with subtle silver embellishments. In the mirror, Carol notices how perfectly it pairs with her necklace and smiles at her brilliant taste. Success. Carol takes the escalator up to the second level and approaches a sales associate. Have you seen a distinguished looking man? Salt and pepper hair. The sales associate looks around. Carol follows his gaze. Distinguished looking men with salt and pepper hair are in every direction. It looks this way about this time every Christmas Eve. Carol purses her lips. Her nostrils flare. She returns to the escalator, takes it up to level three. She looks around. There are distinguished men, some bald, but there are salt and pepper topped men as far as her eyes can see. Carol runs up the escalator to level four. Again, apart from product and salespeople, distinguished-looking men are everywhere. She boards the escalator again. On her way up between levels four and five, she sees Bo with his hands full of shopping bags on the downside of the escalator. He does not notice her. She runs the rest of the way up to level five, then runs back down to just behind Bo. She puts her hand up above his right shoulder, her fingers poised to tap on it. She pauses. Then she turns away, her heels clack 
up the downward traveling escalator. At the sound of slow clicking heels, Bo turns back. Carol? Oh, Bo, is that you? I'm done shopping. Ready for coffee? I know a place. Lead the way. Bo makes space for Carol to get in front of him as they near level one. An hour passes in a coffee shop, the two talking as if no time had passed between them. I made a lot of mistakes. I could have tried harder. You were right to leave. I was horrible. Really awful. I'm sorry. Enough with the past. What deal were you working on yesterday? To sell the store. I want to retire to an island and spend the rest of my days relaxing in the sun, blissfully unaware of winter or Christmas. That's not something that Carol I knew would do. Which Carol? The one you left? The one I loved. The Carol who loved her sister, danced in the snow, wished people a Merry Christmas, and meant it. That Carol was a child. No, she was the most beautiful woman in the world. In fact, she still looks stunning. Don't you think retiring to an island sounds fun? Life is about more than fair weather. What about your family, friends? They're not a factor in my decision. Why should they be? You know, when I got the invite for Tony's party, my first thought was of seeing you. I hoped that maybe enough time had passed, that you'd be more like the Carol I once knew. It was foolish. What was foolish? To think I'd find her again. I hope you have a great rest of your life. I really do. Bo stands up. Carol's face crumbles. Her Christmas Eve streak of misery continues. She consoles herself by finishing her cup of coffee and picturing the secluded island property she plans to purchase with its lavish gardens full of palm trees, elegant orchids, and sumptuous-smelling jasmine.